we don't even have the words for the things we have to develop yet. Right. We're still trying to understand what this world looks like. And we see these futures, but I think within the next three to five years, cloud gaming is going to have its Fortnite moment. Right. And all of a sudden there will be a something in cloud gaming that unlocks 10 million people playing at the same time. On today's show, we're talking to Bruce Grove, the CEO and co-founder of Polystream, a deep tech company looking into distributed compute. And if you're not sure what that is, hopefully this interview will help you understand by the end. This is Tech Talks, the twice-weekly technology podcast with myself, David Savage, today joined by Evie Oros, sharing insight and ideas from peers across the industry. Enjoy the show. Good afternoon, Evie. Hi. How are you? Good, how are you? Are you looking forward to Thursday night? I am very excited. Very excited? Yeah, I'm prepared, I'm ready. It's going to be so much fun. Is this your first work Christmas party? Second. Second? Second, yeah. But you were fairly new last time. Yeah, I'd only been here for like two months last time. So you are probably a little bit more behaved. Yeah, I didn't know what to expect. (laughs) Not, no, not yet, so like I'm not going to be behaved now. (laughs) Just, I'm... I know what to expect this year, is all. And what is that? A lot of fun. (laughs) (laughs) I like how it's kind of (laughs) muted answer there. Okay, is costume sorted? Costume? You know what I mean. Costume. It's black tie, isn't it? Yeah, I know, I've got a dress Mm -hmm. ready. I need to still buy some shoes. Mm -hmm. Um, But other than that, I'm all set. I've had to have my dinner suit um, tailored. Ah, is this what you were talking about? Yeah, the problem is, it's a, it was it was a four hundred pound suit about three years ago. Ooh. Well, yeah, but think about it, right? As a guy, dinner jackets—if you rent them, they're over a hundred quid. Are they? I didn't know it was that expensive. I'm sure it's for yeah. a half decent one from like Moss Boss or something. Yeah. They cost quite a lot anyway. Yeah, might, and, and they're rented, and it's never quite you know. And then you have got to return it, and if you spill shit on it, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, so I, I just got my own. I, I sucked it up and went to John Lewis a couple of years ago, four years ago, and got my own. Yeah. I tried on the trousers, thirty-four inch waist. <laughs> okay. I'm now between a 28 and a 30. Oh my god. Yeah. So Whoa. quite a big difference. That's huge. Oh my god. Yeah. So I'm getting them tailored. Uh, I went and got remeasured. So it's quite funny though. My wife Haley said to me, um, "Just remember, you you can take material out, but you can't put it back in." I was like, Ooh, "Oh, thinly veiled threat to keep the weight <laughs> oh off." Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So I'm no not allowed pressure. to get fat. Yeah, no pressure. Yeah. Just £400 down the drain if yeah. you do. 35 quid though to get them altered. That's, That's quite right. cheap actually. Yeah, yeah, it's good. I thought it would be more than that. Yeah, better than buying like a new suit all the time. Well, exactly. So yeah, good mm. investment there. I've just got to work out if I'm going to wear a cummerbund or not. A what? Cummerbund. Oh, is that like the... Stupid, stupid thing that goes thing. around your waist. Yeah. Don't think I'm going to go for it this year. Does any... I, I've never seen someone... Wear, or I didn't see anyone what? last year wear Almost, one. Mm, yeah. Did they? It's traditional. Oh, go yeah. for it. Why not? It's no, Christmas. they look stupid. That's probably why I didn't see many people with them on. Maybe. <laughs> uh, right, anyway, um, we shall get into today's interview, which kind of feels, talking about gaming, kind of feels appropriate around this time of year because people might be getting consoles for Christmas. Yeah, I think, well, they, I swear they normally like release loads of new stuff just before Christmas for everyone to start buying. And... Or just after Christmas to tempt you into spending your voucher money, I guess. That's true. Uh, but yes, uh, we're talking to Polystream, which is a platform for gaming. So I'll hand over to the interview with Bruce. Myself and Evie will have some comment afterwards and then a short bit of news. So today we are joined by Bruce from Polystream, sitting in your office here in Guildford. Thank you for inviting me in. You're more than welcome. Very pleasure to have you, sir. 
Yeah, no, well, look, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's an exciting time to come and talk to you, uh, as we will discuss in this interview, but you were out in, uh, well, it is Finland, isn't it, for slush? Uh, yeah, Finland, Helsinki, so we were out there last week running around in the, uh, the grey and the cold in the middle of winter. I imagine it's colder there than it is here, but... Uh, no, in fact, it wasn't even as wet, so... Uh, oh, really? We had quite a nice dry year, it wasn't quite as cold, but the, the sun still barely makes it over the horizon in the morning. Yes, yeah. My my impression of Scandinavia at this time of year would be cold and dark. Yes, it's it's an interesting sort of experience if you've never seen it before because even when the sky is clear, the light's always flat because right. the sun's never really sort of high enough in the sky. And yeah, yeah. You're walking around and realising there's no shadows anywhere, just sort of this weird sort of mid-light all the time. <laughs> anyway, that aside... Um, if someone hasn't heard of Polystream, let's tackle that first of all, because you are at the moment in a large niche, but a niche within technology, right? Yeah, Polystream's a deep tech company. We founded in the UK, we founded about four and a half years ago, mm-hmm. uh, myself and Adam Billiard. And we've been working away on a, what we believe is a very different way to do distributed compute and distributed applications from the cloud. Mm. We haven't released a product yet. We're still pre-revenue, but we are very much startup, uh, but uh, investor-backed with some amazing investors on our journey so far. And when we talk about distributed compute, um, I suppose that you know, we, we mentioned before we hit record the traditional view of computing as client-server. This is stuff in the cloud. And if people are trying to get their head around that, what that might be, you kind of made the analogy that if you think about IoT, that's kind of where we're at with IoT of devices being constantly connected to the cloud and computing power being elsewhere other than that device. Yeah, we've had a long sort of couple of decades of whether you work in an industry where servers live in the basement or servers live in a data center somewhere. And then we created a few years ago based off the back of some of the big data center providers and compute were starting to realize they could essentially resell that compute. So mm. companies like Amazon and Google and Microsoft had built their own massive infrastructure and realized that there was a way to monetize that itself by making it available. <clears throat> so we kind of came up with this idea that instead of us as a company wanting to put our computers in a data center, we could buy our compute from somewhere else. So we came up with cloud. Yeah. And cloud's this great resource. It's a a very flexible way of thinking about somebody else running the computers for me and I just need to focus on the software. But cloud for quite a long time has been, here's a pile of data centers, here's a pile of places I can go access software in those data centers. But what we're now starting to see is really our infrastructure is changing. Everything, our devices around us are changing. An internet of things is about... All of those devices are connected into the cloud because what we want is this constant sort of feedback cycle of Mm. how things are working, but also how they affect other things. So we look forward, we talk about autonomous vehicles. It's not enough for a vehicle to talk to a server in a cloud to find out what that vehicle is doing. It's got to be aware of everything else around it as well, including other vehicles. And so next generation networks, 5G, fiber, all of those things are changing really what the cloud is. The cloud is actually getting ever, ever closer to us until all of a sudden we are part of that cloud as well. Mm. And we are an interactive part of that cloud. It wants to know where we are if we're driving down a road. It wants to know 
what the weather is in a given place and how that might affect conditions. And so the, the nature of cloud, the nature of each of the pieces of compute is changing and therefore how we use it is changing. So if we maybe come, come to that towards the back end of the, of the interview, how we, how we use it, and if we focus in on gaming, because gaming is, yep. you've described it as, as the halo product for you at the moment. This is where you can demonstrate what the platform can do at the moment. I mean, I was joking before beforehand that, you know, I've got a, a SNES and a PS2, but those old consoles very limited by the amount of computing power that they've got on board. And I suppose that's still the case even with the latest consoles. There's only so much computing power under the hood of a particular console, right? Yeah, so a console today has a, is typically made up of a, a processing elements of compute and graphics processing and some memory and storage. And then the, they connect to the internet because on the, the back end, we have game servers that allow us to play multiplayer games. Yeah. So that we can play games with our friends. And the scale of that now is just incredible. You realize just how things have shifted. We've gone from, so you mentioned your PS2. And funny enough, I was actually looking at this the other day for unrelated reasons. But you look at the, the processing power of a PS2 and you look at a PS4 and what they're talking about for PS5, and we're actually about two orders of magnitude more powerful. I mean, we're literally looking at something that is a hundred times more compute power than what we had even a decade ago. Mm. So even things like game consoles under your TV have made huge leaps forward. And you see that in it's manifested in the visual quality. What we used to do on a a small three by four screen and sort of uh, standard definition. And now we're at 4K ultra high definition. We expect incredible graphics. We expect shine on the side of our cars. We expect water to reflect perfectly, all of those kinds of features. But we also expect our experiences in those games to be much bigger. Mm. We want our journeys to last days. We want the stories and the quests to really sort of immerse us into it and take it into us and then when we connect to the cloud today and we bring our friends into it and we play with other people what we're also doing is enabling the compute that allows all of those people to interact with each other at the same time so they're all experiencing that same world and that same environment together which means that if I make a change you can see the change I've made and then you amplify that up to hundreds of people, if not thousands of people in the case of some games. And everyone is part of that same environment. About a year ago, not, not so not the website that's just, just gone, but the one back in 2018. I can't remember who it was, but someone had um, kind of a multiplayer VR experience on the, on the bridge of the Enterprise. Mm -hmm. Where you could interact with that environment and other players would see that happen. How hard is that to do traditionally? Uh, it's, it's really hard because you've got to be aware of... You've got to create the environment is the first piece. Then you have to know where everybody is and what they're doing and how they're behaving mm. and creating that kind of experience. And then you couple that challenge for... One of the bigger challenges even for AR, VR type experiences is if I want to make it look like you're there on the bridge of the Enterprise... To me, I also need a camera on you as well because I need to see your body positions. I need some kind of motion capture as well. And all of that then needs to be fed up to the um, servers. That needs to be then 
pushed back down to all of the other players so that positionally wherever they are you've got an accurate representation not just of where your location is but also what you're doing yes and all of those sorts of things so that sort of technology is coming but increasingly that is stretching the limits of how much you can compute locally versus what you really need to do and need far more compute to do up in the cloud so if we're talking about stretching the limits of what's possible at the moment, the whole reason that you're in slush was you were you were owning uh, a, a part of the agenda called Fast Forward yep. and bringing the community together to talk about what's possible possi- five years down the line if yep. we're going to kind of try and imagine what that is. So within gaming, what what was the outcome? What 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 did people think we were going to get to? So games have, for a long time, they're as you said a moment ago, they're built upon this idea that I have a gaming device. I can yeah. build a very high-end gaming rig or I can play on a console. A console is a known platform. Our consoles are very powerful. And then over the last few years, we've played around the edges of what, not just in MMOs, but what does it mean to use the cloud for other aspects of the games? So, for example, Microsoft has a racing game called Forza. And they created the idea of something they called driver tars, mm. where it would learn your friend's driving behaviors. And even if they weren't online, you were racing against cars on the track that behaved like your friends did. Right. So it was a, an interesting idea of creating that same, same kind of chaos mechanic of instead of it being somewhat predictable AI, you've actually got the complete unpredictability of how we drive as people. I can see the attraction of that, though, because genuinely, I, I used to have a GameCube, and yep. I, had, I had Mario Kart on it, and you could record as a ghost your best ever lap on any particular... Exactly. And I used to enjoy, very sad, you know, teenager when you're just at home on your own, but racing against myself, because yep. it was far more interesting than anything else. Yeah, and in fact, uh, Mario Kart still has that, right? Even right. the latest iterations of Mario Kart racing against your ghost is still a part of the game and it's, it's always a big challenge because you make one mistake you want to go back in there and figure out where you made that mistake yeah, yeah. and it's really sort of taking that element and continuing to expand on it the another game was built that was crackdown 3 with the idea of you're in this big open city environment and what happens if i blow up a building and the building would blow up and that that is a that is a physics challenge that's about what happens with all of the pieces of the building where does everything go to and where does everything end up how do you as a player end up interacting with it and if you want to make a skyscraper explodable in that kind of environment it takes a tremendous amount of compute to make all the physics behave correctly right Right. how do the pieces fall where do they land and then how does the player interact with them So there was a bunch of work done around experimenting with, can you do that piece in the cloud and then feed that down to the local machine to give the player that experience? And it's proven to be very challenging. It's a real sort of difficult thing to do because we're still dependent on an element of that local compute. And one of Polystream's areas of focus is how do we get break the dependency of the limitation of our local compute Mm. And push it all up into the cloud. And so during slush, during fast forward, you you launched or not launched, that's the wrong, but you you showcased the platform being the world's largest online games platform, effectively. Cl- cloud platform. Right? Yeah, so a lot the largest cloud gaming platform. So today the challenge with cloud gaming in particular has been can you run a game from the cloud? Yes, I can. I can actually put a game onto a server in AWS tomorrow. It's, it's not 
particularly hard to do technically. And it runs just as if it was running on my local game PC because what Amazon has is a game PC in a rack. It's really not much more complicated than that to think of it as here's a CPU, here's a graphics processor, here's some memory. And then what I do is I compress it into video and I stream it to the player in exactly the same way I stream a video for Netflix or Amazon or something similar. The problem is if I want a million people playing that game, I need a million of those game consoles in racks. And suddenly you start to see the problem of how does that scale? How do I really build a cloud infrastructure that meets the needs of 10 million Fortnite players or 2 yeah. million PUBG players or you mentioned Red Dead, 3 million people were playing on that at launch. Mm. And it's really, if I want to build a scalable compute platform, I can't do it just by moving my console from one place to another. I have to think about how to use compute in the right place at the right time. I suppose the interesting thing then beyond this, uh, and we mentioned at the beginning, is the application outside of gaming. G gaming, obviously, there's a long way to go still, but when you read articles around what online gaming platforms are beginning to kind of open up, you often see the idea of kind of city planning, transport planning, looking at modeling how cities work with all of those different constituent parts in terms of buses and roads and transport. Um, is that the kind of stuff that you envisage or is there, is there well, I'm assuming there is other stuff, but what, what do you immediately jump to and go, this is where this platform could really help? Um, I think it's almost where couldn't it help, to be honest. Right. If there's visual compute somewhere in it, it's then we know behind it we can do even more. And that could be everything from modeling medical simulations to modeling um, massive astrophysics. But we also have lots of real applications we look at today. And there's some sort of real life good examples. We use synthetic training a lot. Uh, Defense industries use it for teaching people. It's simulator training. We use synthetic training in other environments as well, everything from manufacturing to uh, automotive. And those kinds of training scenarios today are still very dependent on where is a workstation, where is a machine that I can play it on versus can I put it into the cloud and just make it available wherever they are? Why shouldn't you and I be able to do the, the training while we're mm. sat here versus having to go off somewhere to a training center? Or what does it mean if today my training simulator only allows me to model 32 people at the same time mm. when actually I want to model 320,000, right? Those sorts of things now become available to us if we take that cloud compute and amplify it all up. And I think one of the things that games does is it really leads a lot of the technology in this space by the way it applies it. It thinks about how to do visual and representation. How do you get the best possible effects? It thinks about how do you apply AI so that if we can't bring 500 actual players in, how do we bring 100 actual players and 400 that behave like real people? All of those elements start to come in and you start to see all of that led by games technology. Yes. And then you start to say, well, where else can I apply it? What happens if I can run a game from the cloud? Well, it turns out that General Motors thinks that same technology is a great way to run a car configurator from the cloud. Because what they want to do is give their customers 
an incredible 3D experience of building their own car, creating their own virtual showroom, and then putting it into virtual environments so that I can drive it through the Nordschleife in Germany and I can get that wonderful experience of as if I've got my car now and this is what it's going to look like when I drive it down the road. Mm. What GM's problem was, was they ran out of capacity using the old compute model when they first launched the new Corvette. And that's really this sort of problem. We're now going through this shift of we want to take all of this compute, put it in the cloud, but there's not enough of it there yet. Right. And we're thinking of it the wrong way. So Polystream's distributed platform is really, we're showing how we will solve that problem. Look, it's a fascinating area. And thank you for sharing some time with us today. I've got one final question. It's a very serious one. Mm -hmm. How long until we're running around the holodeck of Star Trek or the Matrix? Uh, we, we had a lot of conversations about <laughs> something similar last week, actually, at Slush. We had a, an amazing panel of people, speakers from Intel and from Amazon and from Google, and um, us two all talking about this. And one of the things we were talking about is we don't even have the words for the things we have to develop yet. Right. We're still trying to understand what this world looks like. And we see these futures, but I think within the next three to five years, cloud gaming is going to have its Fortnite moment. Right. And all of a sudden, there will be a something in cloud gaming that unlocks 10 million people playing at the same time. And that's when we know that we have started to really tap into that power. And then I think we'll have the hockey stick and we'll accelerate. And So maybe, maybe Ready Player One isn't quite so far away. It could be a lot closer than we think. I, I think within 10 <laughs> years, we're going to see experiences that certainly we can't even begin to describe right now. And whatever we think it's going to be, I guarantee we'll be wrong, but it will be amazing. Well, look, thank you again for your time and uh, good luck as, as the platform kind of grows. Thank you very much. Been a pleasure. So are you a gamer? Um, do you know what? I I actually used to be a really? lot more. Yeah, because I have a younger brother. Ah, oh, that shows how much I shouldn't judge. Yeah, right, yeah, okay. Dave. <laughs> um, but yeah, so me and my brother, we used to play all the time. So when you were talking about like the PlayStation Two and stuff, that was like my first proper games console. Oh God. Um, and yeah, it was. <laughs> that I love. I love it. First console, right? Okay. Um. <laughs> I know. My cousin always had the GameCube that we used to play on. I had a GameCube. And then when we were old enough, yeah, then it was PlayStation 2. Yeah, PlayStation 2 was my kind of... When I was in, like, when I was 16, 17, oh. uh, I'd go around with my mates and we'd all play Pro Evo. We'd watch... Was that the car game? No, Pro Evo's football. Oh. So we'd watch Soccer Saturday. Sorry, no, hang on. We'd play football in the morning, five-side league. We'd watch Soccer Saturday. We'd then play Pro Evo. So it'd be like football, 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 football. And then we may, maybe we'd have a kickabout and then we'd go to the pub. That sounds really that boring until you get to the pub. Oh, teenage <laughs> boys. Brilliant fun. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, but it, it is funny talking to Bruce about where gaming's at now because I'm not a massive gamer. Mm. Like, Ryder and Jack do like they play red dead and stuff like that yeah but this idea that game you know because games non-playable characters there's i don't know whether you've seen it but last year's not last year maybe two years ago now the new jumanji film oh yeah i saw it yeah so welcome to the jungle mm -hmm. and they get into the car and there's the um there's like the computer generated character that explains the plot to them mm -hmm. and he just keeps repeating and they realize that he's a non-playable character 
and all that terminology kind of disappears with a platform like Polystream. Because as Bruce says, you've now got enough intelligence if you have that combined compute to have unpredictable AI characters, mm. which is fascinating. Yeah, it's incredible. And especially how he said it was like learning like real people's patterns. So like mm. you're, it's like you're playing against yourself, which feels a lot more difficult I think than because I feel like when, whenever you play against a computer so you know you compared it to like Mario Kart and the ghost yeah. thing when you compare it to the computer I feel like it's a lot easier to beat because it is slightly more predictable I think yes yeah yeah and that's the thing that I really loved about the Mario Kart ghost thing was it was your best yeah the best you'd ever done, which I was used the best to do that human. Too. It was really? cool, yeah. <laughs> really sad. I used to I literally like I'd get home from school and spend like an hour playing that, doing that, just sitting there like so gotta beat myself. Anyway. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there is that thing of human 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 you know, that humanity, that that unpredictiveness. I love the the idea that he kind of describes you going into a game, you piss someone off, you come back into the game, you discover that this AI character's told all of his friends that you've pissed them off and now they all don't like you too. Yeah, and everyone turns against you. Yeah. I feel like that happens in, because I've seen my brother and my partner, they play Red Dead and stuff, mm. and it's like, you go back and like if you annoy one of the characters and they can all like gang up on you and... yeah. I don't know. I don't know how to properly explain it, but it's it's very cool. Did you get what Polystream do? Was the interview clear enough? Because I, I listened back to it, and I genuinely, when I came out of that meeting with Bruce, I thought, that's insanely powerful, potentially. Yeah, so at the beginning, I felt quite lost. But the more I listened to it, the more I started to understand it. So it's to do with, like, cloud gaming... Yeah, so it's, it's it's basically saying the compute power doesn't happen at the local machine. So they're lifting, they're, they're, some of the some of what happens locally is still the, the graphics piece. Yeah. But all of the processing happens in the cloud. Yeah, <clears throat> and it's trying to make it stronger. I guess not stronger. What's the word? Well, because you because you can combine the compute power then of multiple machines, you suddenly unlock this vast potential for for a huge amount more power. Mm. Um, and it's fascinating, you know, when I was in the office, they showed me this game that they were playing, playing completely streaming from the cloud, the, mm. the processing power, no lag at all, just incredible. And obviously this is, this is a new yeah. product, it's not yet on market, but you then think about how that could affect models, you know, using AI to model at scale, healthcare, military, mm. town planning, you know, infrastructure, it's fascinating. Yeah. I still, yeah, such incredible potential because it's not just for gaming. And he said it was like with the, the whole AI, not AI, like the car, ex like mm. virtual experience. And like you said, if it's like with healthcare and military, like you could do so, so much with it. It's not, yeah, it's not just for gaming. I suppose it, it ties into the idea that the cloud is, we are entering this new phase, I suppose, where we are interacting with the cloud in, in a much more tactile way on a day-by-day -day basis. The cloud is no longer sitting in a data center and something that you just pull information from but devices are connected to it all the time and we're connecting you know mm. a car needs to know where another car is if it's actually going to work yeah and you expect so much more from it like he said as well like so so much more from what you're getting out of it do you think that this will make vr more appealing there's a lot of technologies out there like iot is waiting for 5g to unlock the potential i kind of feel like platforms like this or what we're waiting for to unlock things like VR. I feel like whenever I think of like VR and VR games, it doesn't, it never appeals to me as much. I don't think because you you feel like it's just not going to be as good. Like the quality wouldn't yeah. be like as good as sitting down and actually like 
playing a game on a console and things like that. I mean, that bit towards the end where I ask him, is this the Matrix or is this, you know, <laughs> yeah. and we talk about Ready Player One. Have you seen Ready Player One? I have, yeah. So for me, that's the kind of the, oh, hang on a minute, this is where genuinely we could be heading. Mm. And when you read something or what, I don't know whether you've read the book as well as the film. The film's, no. the film's okay. The book's brilliant. You, that feels very out there. But this makes it feel a lot more prescient. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it feels like it's not that far away from yeah. happening. Which is... Scary, I think. <laughs> scary but exciting. Yeah. It's one of those things that hopefully people don't lose themselves in it. Feel like people are always bound to and stuff like that, aren't they? Even with games now, people yeah. like lose themselves into games. But... Straying into Black Mirror territory. Oh God. Anyway, <laughs> um, I think Polystream's amazing. I think what the, the products that they've got and the ambition of the business is is incredible. So Bruce, thank you for coming onto the show. Um, we will take a quick break and we'll be back with some news in a moment. Once a month, Tech Talks opens The Tuck Shop, a YouTube tech news roundup, which is kindly carried by Disruptive Live. Disruptive Live is the UK's first and only 24-7 TV channel for the technology industry. Stay up to date with all the latest industry news by following our regular talk shows broadcast live across the Disruptive Live website and social media channels. You can also catch Disruptive Live at some of the largest global technology events, broadcasting from London, Manchester, Singapore, Dubai, and many more. Welcome back to Tech Talks. Uh, this feels like a couple of weeks early, but we are getting to festive period. We're going to have reviews of 29 and looking ahead to 2020. There's an article in The Observer yesterday by Alex Hearn, 20 tech trends for 2020. Okay. Okay. I'm not going to go through all 20 because that might take Quite us some lot. time. Yeah. But I thought I'd pull out a couple. Advertising will come to smart speakers. Right. What, so they'll like advertise, just like read you out advertisements? Well, I don't think it's going to be like out of the blue because that would just be annoying as, you know. Yeah. But Amazon and Google comfortably dominate the smart speaker landscape, but neither has yet answered an important question. What's the advantage of getting all these devices in our homes? Aggressive price cuts means that neither is making a substantial amount of income from sales. True, like they cost like 30 quid. Yeah. Um, and the absence of paid services means that they aren't taking a glorious 30% cut of revenue either. So Amazon has long experimented with using Alexa as a retail channel, but the only way to make millions is by delivering sweet, sweet advertising to your ears of customers. Expect the dial to be turned up. I hate that. <laughs> Do you reckon it's going to be like, Alexa, what's the weather? And it'll be like, oh, today it's rainy and it's cloudy and it's like eight degrees C and this has been brought to you by... Oh, God. I, <laughs> the thought of that just makes me so annoyed. Like, you see adverts everywhere now. It's just, it's frustrating. And they're going to be like, oh, if you don't want ads, you have to like pay this much. It's like, why can't I just have it at my home? I mean, it makes sense them as a business the thing is, like, it. I get where it's built into like podcasts and I get where it's built into audiobooks and all that kind of stuff yeah. because that's been paid by someone and you know whatever and if you're accessing a particular piece of content fine I don't get how they're going to build this in without it being really annoying like yeah. Alexa set a timer you know timer how long 45 minutes okay timer 45 minutes set by the way whilst you're here why not buy some Gillette yeah, or something like, like have that have you seen this new film blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah. it's just I don't know. I'm not sure about that one. I'm sure that they won't just immediately start telling you about a new film like randomly because then they're going to get switched off. But yeah. it'll be very interesting to see how they get they get that balance between annoying and yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, I could just picture it in my kitchen like blurting out an advert when it's like silent. 
Yeah. Uh, one other one to point to. The next iPhone will have four rear cameras. Do we care? Oh, there's too many already. Three's too many. So the smartphone industry seems to be following trends set by Gillette and one-upping itself on an annual basis. Other phones already have four cameras, so why not Apple? The company should have good reason for adding another lens. Whilst the iPhone 11 Pro is perhaps the best smartphone camera on the market, it falls far short in one specific area with just two times optical zoom. Um, so a big zoom lens would be received well uh, for people who like shooting big things far away or small things nearby. Do you really care? No. It's not going to make me buy a new iPhone. No, of course. I mean, like, I, I mean, I take photos, but I feel like I don't need that much of Do like, you a high it? quality photo. It's like, if you're aiming your phone at a photography market, fine. But for most people, like selfies on a night out, snaps on holiday, stuff like yeah, that. The, the, the level of what you've got so far on board is good enough. Yeah, you don't buy, I, I wouldn't say I'd buy a phone because like I really enjoy photography, yeah. so I'm gonna like buy this phone. Like you'd buy a proper camera, wouldn't you, surely? Well, I think so. And also it's got to the point where how much better do they need to be before like you actually need a better screen to see half these things? Like you download them onto your laptop and it's like, well, it almost looks better on the phone sometimes. Yeah, and I feel like, to be honest, can my eyes really notice that much of a difference? Well, exactly. I don't think so. <laughs> Maybe you need an eye test. Um, no. I do have glasses though. But <laughs> you never wear glasses. I know they're for long distance. So I don't oh, wear them at work. It's just see, for driving. Same, same as me. Yeah. Um, Britain continues not to regulate tech. The last point. Um, um, online harms white paper revealed a blaze of publicity in the summer of 2019 has gone nowhere. Mm. So the prime minister who commissioned it is out. The culture secretary who launched it gone okay whoever sits at the head of the cabinet in 2020 is unlikely to want to progress this odd legislation assembles as it is assembled as it is from a mishmash of telegraph pleasing statements about harmful but not illegal speech and they're unlikely to have the parliamentary time to do it even if they'd want to or did want to do so so instead everyone will continue to talk about how much we need to update our laws while doing nothing of the sort Yay! Because tech does need regulation. It does, it does. And I don't know, it's so hard to control, but you need something in place. It's not a vote winner, unfortunately. And until... Until it, well, <laughs> until done. and then it's going to be the climate crisis, and rightly on that front. Oh yeah. But that you know, people are not going to necessarily worry, and maybe you'll get more advertising on your smart speaker. Oh. Talking of advertising, mm. recommendation: watch Bill's Brain, Inside Bill's Brain, on Netflix. Inside Bill's Brain. It's about um, it's it's a documentary. It's been out for a few months now, but I've only just discovered it. Uh, oh. All about um, Bill Gates. Oh, I think I saw. I think I did see an advert it's for that. It's so actually. good. It's so good. I'll have to give it a watch. I feel like there's so much stuff on my list for over Christmas now that I need to watch. That one might seem worky and dry. I promise you, it's interesting. I love a good documentary. It's really good. It's mm. docu series. It's by the people that did an inconvenient truth. Oh, that was brilliant. That film. There you go. Right, we're rambling. Um, have a lovely week. Thank you for listening. Thank you.